when we walk in our purpose, it causes us to rub up against a lot of people. So if you think about what you do in a day, how many people do you talk to? Do you email? Do you walk by in the store? How many people are probably watching you from some distance and seeing um, what you do? And you have an opportunity to influence and to impact them. God wants us to be able to be used in lots of ways and to lots of people throughout our life. But God can use us most effectively when we are real, when we are authentic. Oftentimes we operate out of a place of who maybe we want to be rather than who we really are, and God can't use that. And it reminds me um, of my husband, Matt, and so he's not here, and don't tell him this story. But um, anyway, when we first started dating, he used to play Madden. Does anybody know what Madden is? Yeah, there's a few of you. You can see it's the younger people that know who Madden is or what Madden is. Well, it's a football game. It's a video game. And it's they virtually create players and teams, and then you can compete each other with the skills of these players and teams. And so he did that when we first met. Then we grew up and got jobs and got married and had a family. And so for the last 20 years, you know, no Madden, right? Until... We started having teenagers that brought around teenagers that played Madden. And a couple months ago, he was encouraged to start playing this game again. And let me tell you, I have not heard the end of Madden. (laughs) He talks about how he's developing his skills, how he's learning new moves. I think there was a few moments where he was a little upset with some of the boys because they were practicing and he wasn't able to practice because he doesn't have the game um, at home. And so anyway... Um, He has spent a decent amount of time, in my opinion, more time uh, than he should at 42 years old playing this game. Um, But what I realize, and I hope he realizes, is that no matter how many moves he learns and no matter how well he develops these skills, the NFL is just never going to (laughs) call. I mean, they're just not because it's fake. It's not real. And so I want to take you to a story in Samuel. Uh, 1 Samuel 17, this is talking about King Saul and David before he is king. And what has led up to this story is that David is a shepherd boy, most of us know that, and he's the youngest of eight brothers, and he's a youth at this time, he's probably about 15, 18 years old, somewhere around in there. And his father says, hey, all your brothers are away at battle, I want you to go check on them and see what they're doing, take them some supplies and then come and report back to me. So David went to the battlefield, and what he finds there is that there's this enemy army that is intimidating and belittling the armies of Israel, the armies of the living God. And David's looking around saying, hey, what's going on? Why is no one saying anything? Why is no one doing anything? And so he's asking these questions, and they're saying, do you see this army? It's a huge army. And one man on this army was Goliath. Do you guys know the story of David and Goliath? Yeah. And this man, they say he was maybe about 10 feet tall or so. And Saul, King Saul and the, his brothers and everyone were like, look at this man. Who wants to fight that man? And David says, I will. And so let's read verses 32 through 40 to see how this conversation went. It says, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight for him. Saul replied, you're not able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. 
When a lion or a bear came and carried off sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he's defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, put his coat of armor on him, and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened his sword over the tunic and tried walking around, but he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off, and then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. So I'm going to pause for just a moment and just, I don't know, I kind of ask questions like, so King Saul um, was talking to this 15-year-old boy and said, there's no way you can fight this 10-foot giant. None of the trained armies of Israel are willing to go fight this 10-foot giant um, because you're too young and too inexperienced. And David said, yes, I can. I fought a lion and a bear. And Saul goes, okay. I mean, there had to be more conversation around this, right? Um, But obviously, David was at least very convincing. Um, But David lived authentically to who he was. In this story, what we see is that when Saul told him that he was too young and inexperienced, he didn't shy back and said, oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. I've never fought a giant. No, he said, wait, wait, wait. I fought a lion and a bear. This giant is just the same. And when Saul said, okay, fine, put on my armor. Do it the way a soldier does. David says, no, that's not me. I don't fight in armor and I don't fight with swords. I fight with a sling and a stone. That's how I fight. In that moment, David had a choice to choose if he was going to be real to who he was or if he was going to be someone else or if he was going to be identified by what other people said. There's probably lots of ways that this could have played out But in that moment, David allowed God to define him. So if I were to say to you, is it important to know who you truly are, to know your identity and to walk in it, I'm sure most of you would say, yeah, like that's not new information, right? But yet none of us, and we would probably agree, live real all the time. None of us have absolutely nothing to hide. For various reasons, we all hide something that we think is unpleasant or is not pleasing to other people. And so today I want to talk with you a bit about growing more to live from a place of real and authentic. And so the title of this message is called Man in the Mirror. And I'm going to read you this poem to start us off. And this is by Dale Wimbro. It says, When you get all you want and you struggle for self and the world makes you king for a day, Then you go to the mirror and you look at yourself and see what that man has to say. For it isn't your mother, your father, or wife whose judgment upon you must pass. But the man whose verdict counts most in your life is the one staring back from the glass. He's the fellow to please, never mind all the rest, for he's with you right to the end. And you pass your most difficult test if the man in the glass is your friend. You may be like Jack Horner and Chisel a Plum and think you're a wonderful guy. But the man in the glass says you're only a bum if you can't look him straight in the eye. You can fool the whole world down the highway of years and take pats on the back as you pass. But your final reward will be heartache and tears 
if you've cheated the man in the glass. It's a powerful poem. And I like it because oftentimes we live our life trying to please other people, trying to live up to their standards. But at the end of the day, and I often try to remind myself, when I get to my deathbed, are those things going to matter? Are those things going to matter? Is that person that didn't really know me in their opinion going to matter? Is that label from someone who saw me from a distance, is that really going to matter? What's really going to matter is, was I real to who I was? And did I allow God to define me? So we're going to dig a a little deeper into living more authentically. And as we talk today, I want to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you, are there places in your life that you need to be more real? Are there maybe labels that you need to shed off? Um, Are there people's opinions that you hold higher than God's? Um, Is there a place where you need to live more authentically? So let's go ahead and bow our heads and pray. Dear Father God, we just ask you today to speak to our hearts, Lord. Holy Spirit, you're the one who knows all things. You're the one who reads a man's heart even better than himself. And so I pray today that you would reveal, that you would open eyes, Lord God, that you would set people free from labels that they have believed, Lord God, that you would set people free from fear of man. Father, that they would see that pleasing you is the most important thing, and it is a place of freedom. We love you, Jesus, in your holy name. Amen. So living true to the man in the mirror or authentically is the place where you're going to be most impactful. It's the place where you're going to be most free and it's going to be the place where you're most confident. And so my first point I want to talk about is that we all live with multiple identities. Not multiple personalities, multiple identities. Um, And so let me explain. There are three identities that we relate to. One is who we project to others. One is who we see ourselves as. And one is who we really are. So the first one, who we project to others, this is what we want people to see. It's a cover identity for what we don't want people to see. Um, This is what we would prefer our authentic self to be. I used to be a person that was very introverted. Maybe you don't believe that, but I used to hardly talk. Matt said that on our first date, I said like three words. Um... But that was because, for me, I did not feel like I was very competent, and I didn't feel like I had really anything interesting to say. I didn't want to build relationships, so I seemed very uninterested to do so. And so this was the conversations in my head. I wish someone would come talk to me. I wish someone would be my friend. Oh, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to be your friend. That's kind of what I looked like. And it was because of the insecure person that I was. And it was easier for people to see that I was uninterested in getting to know you than what it was for people to see that I was afraid to get to know you. Maybe some of you can relate to that. I'm sure we all have. We've all been in a place where there's something that we would want people to see rather than what is really there. There's also the person that we believe we are. This is who we see ourselves as. This is the person that we see that's through like our hurts and our pains and our weaknesses. For me, it was that I wasn't worth building a relationship with. And my biggest fear was that I was going to say something dumb. I am way over that fear. I say dumb things all the time. But at that point in my life, like to say something dumb seemed to be the biggest thing I wanted to avoid. 
And so it was easier to not build those relationships instead of being in that place where people thought I was dumb. If you're there where you're like, I would rather people not see my weakness and I would rather shy back from it, you're not alone. Gideon in Judges 6.15, when God called him and he said, Mighty warrior, come and I'm going to use you to save your people. He said, Pardon me, my Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Or Moses in Exodus, God is, it's the burning bush, and God's saying, I'm going to use you to go to Pharaoh and speak to him. And he said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I can't even speak well. Is anybody relating to this? Does anybody say, like, when I look at myself, I see the worst possible things? This identity that we relate to is viewed through our hurts, through our mistakes, through our shame, through our guilt and lies that we've believed. And the more hurt and broken we are, the more distant these two identities are, who we project and who we see ourselves. And then there's who we really are. This understanding only comes from Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Once we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that old person that we oftentimes still cling to, he's dead. He's dead. He's gone. I remember um, there was a process of me letting go of a lot of my old identity, a lot of things that I was ashamed about, a lot of things that... Um, I never wanted anyone to know. But the day that I got the full revelation and understanding, that that girl is actually no longer me. She's no longer my identity. It wasn't like she's the old me. She is no longer me. God separated me from that when he made me alive and new. And that's the same for you. But there were years that I walked around letting letting that person define me letting that person dictate my actions and how I treated people, how I saw myself, the things I stepped into, and how I would walk out my purpose. King Saul, later in life, he began pursuing David to kill him. We know that part of the story too, right? There were many times when he tried to take David's life. David would even come and he would let him know, like, I had an opportunity to kill you and I didn't. And King Saul still was pursuing David. If we read in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on the appearance or the height of his stature. He's talking about King Saul. But I have rejected him, for the Lord sees not as the man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And what had happened is King Saul stopped living by God's definition of who he was. He started living by his fears and his weaknesses, and he started doing things like pursuing David who loved him, who honored him, who blessed him. And what happened is because of that, God eventually rejected him. Saul was king, and he could have led from a place of knowing who he was. But rather, he was living in the conflict between who he felt like he was and who he wanted to be seen as. The more we know who we are, the more our identities come into alignment as we dig into God, to what God says. An authentic view of who we are equals authentic 
actions. So David lived authentically to who he is. When it came to making a decision on how to act, David knew who he was, and so he acted in alignment with that. Whereas Saul, he didn't know who he was. And so because of that, he acted in ways that he never would have once acted. I didn't build relations close enough because I, um, I didn't build relations close enough to see authentically either, either in the church. Um, I was in the church since I was five years old and I, until we planted this church here about eight years ago. And that was always my church. I went to school there for six years. Um, these people should have been my closest friends. But because of the fears that I had, I never really built deep relationships. And then I married Matt, who if you know Matt, he's best friends with everybody. And so there was this moment when I realized that he had more friends in my church than I did. And, and he hadn't even been there that long. And it was the moment when someone up, came up and introduced me and said, hey, this is Matt's wife. I was like, what? Matt's wife? He's my husband. I've been here in this church. But he was willing to build relationships. He was willing to connect with people. And I never really did. Um, and because of that, because of that, I developed wrong ideas about people. When we project something different than who we see ourselves to be, the facade eventually comes crashing down. If I feel unworthy to be loved and accepted as I am, I become a people pleaser. Does that relate to anybody? And when we're a people pleaser, we wound up eventually taking on too much weight, and it eventually crushes us. There's no way we can please everyone. If I'm a perfectionist because I'm afraid to let go of control, that was me. Slightly every once in a while still is me. Um, eventually the pressure of doing everything exactly right begins to, you know, you explode on someone or on yourself or you give up. There's an answer to all of this, though, and that answer is found in Jesus. Because when we're operating completely from a place of who we truly are, we operate from a place of rest. So where do we get an accurate view of ourselves? We go to the mirror, right? If you get a new haircut, where do you go? You go look at the mirror to see if it looks good on you. So point number two is look in the mirror. Many times I think that we say things, I know I have, that's like, that's just the way I am. Have you guys said that? Yes. If like you, I don't know, if you are, have road rage, that's just the way I am. Or, you know, <laughs> I don't have road rage. It was the first example that came to my head. Um, or whatever. Um, or maybe you say things like, oh, that's just the hex. Like if, if I, you know, am passive, oh, that's just the hex. Or that's just whatever. And what you're doing is you're claiming an identity that you feel like is fixed, that you feel like can't be changed. But in reality, just about everything about you can be changed. Right. We've seen people in this happen in a good direction and in a bad direction. You've seen people that have walked with God, you know, in church, raised that way, and suddenly they're off and you're going, who is that person? Well, they change just about everything about them. And then we've seen people who have lived a mess of a life and then all of a sudden they've turned it around, Amen. right? Because nothing about us, just about, is fixed. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is, is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So we go to the word 
to find out who we are, right? You'll never see a clearer picture of self than what the word reveals. But let me ask you this. There's been places when I've been in that shame that I'm like, if I go to the word and I see who I am, I'm going to feel like crap. Can you say crap at church? I say crap at church. You can feel like crap. But the word doesn't reveal the ugliness of who we are. That's not what the the word does. What the word does is it reflects the things in our life that are who we aren't so that we can change them. When I go to the word and God convicts me of something, it's not to bring shame. It's not to say, oh, this is horrible about you. It's to say, hey, daughter, this isn't you. This is not who you are. Let's get rid of that thing because that doesn't line up with who I created you to be. If you go to the mirror and you have some great jelly on your face, does the mirror say you're a jelly face? No. The mirror reflects what's on your face so you can get it off. And that's the same as the word. (laughs) That's funny, huh? (laughs) Um, We can't see ourselves without a mirror. And when we go to the mirror of the word of God, it reads us. It convicts us of the needed change. It reflects the truth not what we want to see. And the best thing that it does is it transforms us more and more into the likeness of Christ. So when we see those things, you don't have to feel hopeless. The Bible tells us that we are to change by the washing of the word. When we wash our mind with the word, it changes us from the inside out. Philippians 1.6 says, I am sure of this, He that who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. You don't have to bear the weight of bringing it to completion. Isn't that awesome? Because when I look at myself, even still, I'm like, boy, there is a lot of work that needs to be done. And if that weight is all on me to make all those changes, I'm in trouble. But knowing that he is the one that's going to do it in me, man, it sets me free. All I got to do is come to him. All I got to do is read the word. All I got to do is look in the mirror, and he will give me what I need to be able to make those changes. The Bible says that out of the heart, the mouth speaks, and our thoughts lead to our actions. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. When we're going to the word, we're changing our heart. And when we change our heart, we change our words. And we change our actions. And so when we change our words and we change our actions, one, we're changing what we are defining ourselves by. Because our words that we speak about ourselves all the time are saying who we are, not only to the people that are listening, but to ourselves. I have become more and more of a stickler about words that I hear people say. Frivolous words. Words that you say just out of habit. But they are words that you're speaking over yourself. Don't say those things about yourself. Don't define yourself as something different than what God says you are. Be relentless about your words because the Bible says that our words are powerful. Beware of fake mirrors. You know, like when you go to the store, have you ever, ladies especially, and you, and you find that outfit that, oh my goodness, it looks amazing on you. And you're going to buy that, and then you look at the price tag, and you're like, ouch. But you're like, I'm going to buy it anyway because it looks amazing on me. And then you go home, and you save it for Sunday morning because you want everybody to see this outfit, and then you put it on in your own mirror, and you're like, 
That does not look like what it did. That cashier changed this outfit. They gave me the wrong thing, and then they charged me too much for it. Those are the fake mirrors. What are some fake mirrors that we have in our world today? There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. The news is fake news, fake mirrors. Social media is 100% fake mirrors. If you are comparing yourself to what social media says, you are in a mess of trouble. No one can live up to all of that stuff. But maybe there are people in your life that shouldn't be defining you. Maybe there are relationships in your life that you're allowing to have too much power over your identity. Sometimes we go to other things to see our reflection, but it's distorted. Science, medicine, social media, entertainment. We can go to a lot of those things, and maybe they give us a measure of truth. But it's rarely, if ever, the full truth, because only the Word of God can give us the full truth. God's been there from the beginning, and he's already at the end. And only he sees the heart of a man, and only he is the one who created you, and so only he can truly define you. There was um, this moment not too long ago where we went to a worship event, I guess, and the speaker gave prophetic words. And to one of my daughters, he gave a prophetic word. And um, this particular daughter, I try to keep their identity concealed, but this particular daughter um, is not wired in a certain way like Matt and I. Matt and I are very busy. Um, We're doers. We took a test, and the top thing on both of our tests was doer. Um, And so even the pastor that gave it to us said, wow, there's probably new ideas in your house all the time. We're like, yeah, exactly. Isn't it in everybody's house every time? Um, Anyway, so this particular daughter does not move at our pace. We often call her the sloth, um, just to be funny. Um, But she was getting a prophetic word on this particular day, and he was saying, and it was my husband who gave her the word, so of all irony, but he said, God's saying that you are content to just sit and wait and spend time with me. You're content to just be in my presence, not for anything, but just to be with me. And as I was hearing him say this to her, I felt God was telling me, you are so busy all the time. And I gave you a daughter to help you see and to help slow you down so that you can spend more time with me. The word of God will reflect to you who you are. And whether it's the the written word of God or whether it's sitting and hearing his voice speak to you. But I needed to hear that. For a whole bunch of reasons. I needed to go and tell my daughter that, okay, like, there's some aspects of your personality where this is very helpful. It's school, not helpful. We have got to get through school. But it helped me to see that this wasn't just a weakness we needed to grow her in. It was actually a beautiful thing that God created her to be. And that I just had to help her utilize that in better, in, in better ways in certain things. But for me, it really spoke to me. Have you spent time in the only true mirror? Have you allowed the word of God to show you what's on your face? Is it possible that there are things that may be hidden from your eyes and need to be revealed? Because honestly, I wasn't looking for that. That wasn't even on my radar. I needed God to say, hey, let me drop something new. 
I go to God for him to fix me on a lot of things that I see, but there are things that I don't even see that I need him to show me. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. With unveiled face. He has to get those veils off of our face. We have to spend time with him for him to remove those things before our eyes so that we can be transformed more and more into the likeness of Christ. Point number three is authenticity is a journey. It's a commitment to change and grow and be refined. I've heard it said that it's like an onion and you peel it back layer by layer. And that was certainly me. And I'm still in that process. This journey is going to require several things to be successful. A few of them are, is it requires change. Now, there's some people who love change. That's me. If things changed all the time, it would be awesome. There's other people who do not like change. If things stayed the same way they are forever, they would be happy. But authenticity requires change. It's amazing what we can get used to. If we do something in small doses we can often get used to most things. Can you relate to that? This can work for us or it can work against us. But getting out of our comfort zone for the first time is really hard. So I went to the Grand Canyon last year and I, I realized there that I may be slightly afraid of heights. I never thought I was, but when you're looking over thousands of feet or whatever it is, especially with young children running around who have no fear, all of a sudden I was someone totally different. I was holding their hands. I was ruining the trip because I was like, don't get close. You're going to fall off. No, you can't look. No, you can't go. I mean, really, to where Matt was like, all right, you know, calm down a little bit. Um, but I came back from that saying, I don't think I'll ever go there again with small kids, mine or anyone else's, because I was afraid of my own, but I could hold them. But there was other people just walking around on ledges. I don't, I don't understand. Um, I don't have no fear of death, I guess. But anyway, um, I, was, I was really really afraid when I was there. But once I got back, I realized how much that affected me. And I didn't like that. And so I was going to overcome my fear of heights by ziplining. Right? That's what you do to overcome your fear of heights. Totally. Um, so that's what I did. And I remember the first time I went up to go ziplining, and I was so nervous. I wanted to quit. Um, but there were other people there, and I certainly couldn't lose face. Um, and so I very timidly decided I was going to go, and I went with my eyes closed the whole time and screamed. But then I landed, and I was like, well, that wasn't that bad. Right? Do we do that? Like, we go kicking and screaming, and then we get done, and we're like, well, that was kind of fun. Um, happens all the time with teenagers. But um, anyway, so I go to the next one, and, and I just go, and I had a great time until these crazy 20-year-olds decide, well, why don't you do a cartwheel? A cartwheel. Like, head first off this zip line. Are you nuts? Um, and so I tried. I really tried. I looked ridiculous. I was kind of like, no, no. And then he flipped me off and <laughs> sent me down there upside down. But then after that, it was actually quite fun. It was actually quite fun. And so now I'm talking other friends who are afraid of heights into even higher zip lines and rope courses to help them overcome their fears. And I see Patty wants to go with me. Who else wants to go with me? Any takers? Um, anyway, but the more you step out of your comfort zone, the more comfortable you will be with stepping out of your comfort zone. 
And that's what I found. Once I realized that I have a comfort zone, boy, I really want to push myself to get out of it as fast as possible. Because the more that I sit in that place, the harder it is going to be to get out of it. So authenticity requires change. It also requires alignment. We must decide to align ourselves with who God says that we are. The definition of alignment is an arrangement in a straight line or in correct or appropriate relative positions or a position of agreement or alliance. We have to align ourselves. We have to choose to agree with what the word of God says we are. And there are a lot of other voices out there that says different. And we have to choose who are we going to be in agreement with. And sadly, many times, we choose the world. We choose the enemy. We choose the lies. We choose the doubt. We choose the shame or the hurt or whatever it is. Even though we see that the word of God says something different. I'll test this. God says that you are an heir. Do you walk around like an heir? God says that you're a prince or a princess. That you're going to rule and reign. Do you walk around like that? He says that you have the authority to tread on serpents and vipers and to pull down strongholds. Are you walking in that? I know I don't all the time. But we have to choose if we are going to truly live real and be authentic. And when we look at that man in the mirror at the end of our life, say, yes, you lived the life God created you to be. We have to choose to be in alignment with the word of God. Ephesians 4.24 says to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So this isn't something that happens automatically. Paul says to put on the new self, kind of like a jacket. It can sit in my closet and look beautiful, and, and it can be wonderful, just like my Bible. It can sit on my shelf and have all the answers that I need to my identity, but if I never put it on, if I never walk in it, then I'm never going to be able to utilize it. I'm never going to be able to walk in the power of it. I'm never going to be able to see it transform my life. It requires pursuit. This continues throughout our whole life. Colossians 3.3 says, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Your life is protected. No one can take it from us. We need to search for what is hidden. And we need to pursue the fullness of it so that we can put it on. Are you pursuing an authentic life? Are you pursuing your identity in Christ? Are you pursuing to align yourself with him? If you're like me, there's times in my life when I have pursued God passionately. And then there's other times when stuff has caused that passion to wane. And I've just kind of went through the motions. And I've kind of been in and out of that cycle. Just me? Yeah. But to live authentically, we have to pursue God daily. And we have to know that that life that he has for us, no one can take it. No one can be who he, who he created you to be. No one can fill the shoes he has purposed for you to fill. No one can impact people in the same way. No one can be the mother, the father, the brother, the sister, the leader that God called you to be. I think it's amazing that God loves us so much that he gave, a, gave us a purpose that truly matters. 
that truly matters. Have you thought about that? Like, if you don't do your purpose, it actually matters. There was a period in my life where I thought that it didn't matter. Like, God's will always happens, and yes, it does, ultimately. But yet, his will for our life, he gave us free will to walk it out. And so it matters. There was, in that point of time when I was a teenager at church and all of that, I, I had this view that everyone at church was perfect. Um, or nearly perfect. Like, I knew no one was perfect. Like, I was raised in church. But they were mostly perfect. Um, they did things like stupid. And, you know, I did all the things that I did. Um, and it took someone being authentic. Someone being real in my life, building a relationship with me, to let me know, oh, you actually struggle with things too? You actually make mistakes too? Okay, well maybe I can be more of who God's called me to be. Maybe I can let out more of who I am and be real so that I can find healing for myself. Is there someone in your life that maybe you thought and you had them up on a pedestal and then you got to know them and you realize that, that they're just like you. And that set you free. That was like, oh, thank God. I'm not the only one that goes to church and has struggles and, you know, problems and issues. When you are real, you can do that for someone else. When you choose to be authentic, when you choose to show people what you struggle with or, you know, what mistakes you've made, what mistakes you're maybe still making, It'll help people to see that they can come close to God, that they don't have to get perfect first before they can come close to God, that God truly will accept them where they are. Being authentic, it takes courage, courage to look in the mirror of God's word and be honest with the hurt and the wounds and the fears, and then to take the next steps towards healing and change. It's a little messy, and it's vulnerable, and it puts you in places where you stand out in the crowd. Not everybody likes that. But that way God's light can be shown through you. The light that can only be reflected by you can shine bright. There's a quote by Magnolia, who I love, she's amazing, um, that I thought would, would really impact you. It says, Authenticity is rarely found in grand gestures, not in lightning strikes or fireworks in the sky. It's deeply rooted, gentle stirring, an invitation to be the only you there was ever meant to be. It's the clearing away of all that's not true, peeling back the layers until you discover what was there in the beginning. It's allowing yourself to truly be known and loved, as well as really knowing and loving someone else. It's the willingness to stand alone in doing what you believe is right, even when what is right isn't a popular choice. Authenticity can't be copied, it can't be false. It withstands shifting stand. It resists comparison. It defies seeing yourself as who you are less than or who you are not. It's acknowledging the difference between what is fake and what is real. Because when we are real, shabbiness won't matter, lack will disappear, and falling short will lose its foothold. We're called to be the salt and light of the world. And like I said in the beginning, we aren't salt or light if we are not being who we truly are. If we're trying to be someone we're not, 
When we choose to be authentic, we can impact others in a more significant and powerful way. So as we close out here, I just want to ask you, are you willing to go on that journey? Are you willing to step out and take those scary steps? Are you going to resolve that you're going to be okay with messy and vulnerable? And that when the word of God seems to come in conflict with a belief that you have or a label someone's put on you, that you're going to choose to align yourself with the word of God. The song Oceans, most of you have heard it. Um, Part of it says, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet would ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. When we're willing to step out into the oceans with God, when we're, when we're willing to say, all right, God, I'm going to go out there with you where my feet are off the ground, where I'm out of control, that's the place where he can start peeling off the fake. What places has he tried to call you out into? Have you went? Have you jumped? Or have you said, no, I'm going to stay back here on the shore and I'm going to get a little taste and watch from a distance all that you want to do, God? Because church, I want to tell you, whether this is your very first time here or whether you've been coming here since the beginning, that God has a purpose for you. There is a harvest coming. The the world is getting darker. There is a revival that's going to happen. And we can be on the sidelines and we can cheer everyone else and we can watch. Or we can be right in the middle of it. We can be seeing souls won. We can be seeing lives changed. We can be seeing the presence of God fall and our schools changed and our government changed and our community changed. But it takes me and it takes you to say yes, to say I will be real. I will go through what's necessary. I will surrender and I will give you God whatever it is And I will go wherever you call me. So I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me today. And ask the Holy Spirit, what is it that you're showing me? What is it that you're saying to me, Holy Spirit? Where where in my life do I need to lay some things down? Maybe you need to lay down your whole life. Maybe you've never done that. If that's you, Jesus is waiting. The Bible says that he stands at the door of our heart and he knocks and he's 